Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast, and it's the last one before Matt turns 33. And That's to, right. That's right. Yes. You know, to, yes. To my, quote my, Trent from Swingers, he's grown up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, my, my dying hours of the 32 years, and yeah, by, by tomorrow morning, it'll be 33. I have to say, I'm almost as certain of your 33 year coming tomorrow as I am about how screwed ASU is for the rest of the season. Since we last <laughs> talked, my my panic level has jumped up a notch. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've had we had five scholarship running backs, sophomore or younger to start the year. <laughs> Brock yeah. just left mutual decision to part. Right. Uh, and then Traylon Smith, who we had just talked about with his one carry for five yards yeah, right. uh, on that's an right. odd, odd play call for his first touch on a fourth down. And on Monday, he left the program. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I, like, I'm not also in. mutual. Also mutual. So exactly. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not in panic about it necessarily. Uh, you know, these these things happen, and they haven't happened as much uh, with this program. I mean, you look at. I think Nebraska has lost somewhere around 20, you know, non-seniors since they made the coaching change. Um, when you have coaching changes, you've got a lot of guys who were, you know, naturally all your returners recruited by a different head coach, some different assistants. Now there's some carryover and that's probably a reason why we don't have, you know, a ton of turnover, um, but a different head coach. And, and, you know, if you start to see, I mean, if you're Traylon Smith, how many games did he play this year? I believe it's four. And and so, you know, you you see the writing on the wall that maybe you're not a long-term part of the program, and you think, hey, I can get out this year. I can use this as my redshirt year because, as we know, even though he only played, I think, one or two games last year, that counts against him. Four this year does not. And he's got three years of eligibility left to go somewhere else. So I, I get it. Um, this is this is the unintended consequence of this rule change, and it's popping up everywhere. Here's why I'm concerned. It's it's not Traylon Smith. Obviously, he wasn't a big centerpiece no. of what we were doing anyway. My concern is that there's a general sense I'm getting that the team is not. How can I put this? The the team theology or strategy mm-hmm. the the ethos of the team does not align with the players on the team and you know i was listening to the sun devil source free podcast because i'm not yeah. gonna pay for it because i'm cheap right but i was no, listening I to either. their i'm listening to their free podcast where they're breaking down uh-huh. the usc game and they talk about you know manny talks about being a student of the game he wants to play at the next level right fifth year senior third year starter horrible drive clock management etc yeah yeah but then they talked about you know we're installing things because we wanted to build the offense around manny's talents and now we're just trying Mm -hmm. to install the offense we want to run going forward which is smart i guess although we should have done that anyway because he's yeah in his final year you know i guess i'm viewing this season as the team has punted on you know bowl eligibility if we get it, yeah, great, but we're not, yeah, you know. And, and, and I mean, this may sound like rationalizing, but if, if you tell me, and you can't know this, I mean, I realize that, but if you tell me that, uh, 
we'll go, we can go, you know, five and seven this year and miss a bowl, but we can do things to, you know, set the groundwork and, and lessen the pain of transition in this off season. If there is some and be, you know, more ready to actually do something that, that matters next year, I'd absolutely take that. You know, I don't I mean, you know, getting to six wins always feels like kind of a, a cutoff point because it means you didn't have a terrible season, but it doesn't mean you had a good season. Um, and so, you know, when you're three and four and you're one and three in the division and your hopes of winning the division are on life support, if not completely dead, they're only on life support because the rest of the division isn't running away with it. Nobody, nobody's really separating. You know, I don't mind that necessarily if, if that's indeed the way they're going. And I, I don't know. I mean, it could be. I'm just worried that it's a half measure. And I think this is something indicative of the NBA season and, and what we're seeing mm-hmm. with how teams tank and what they do. You can't be kind of in. You, If you're going to go this route, then DSC needs to play probably yeah. a drive a half. Yeah, yeah, and and we talked about that a little, you know, the last time. And I don't, I don't expect that to happen. Now, maybe there, you know, I mean, I, maybe it will. Um, I but don't I, expect I, it to happen because all they've done is tell me how great Manny is right, this week right, after exactly, Manny played yeah. terrible. Right, right. You know, and and they're, I mean, they're married to the Manny Wilkins, uh, not experiment, but tenure this year. Um, you, you know, you can't. You can't, you know, basically build the guy up as, as you know, greatest thing since sliced bread, and eight games later be ready to throw him, throw him aside. Like you, you kind of, you kind of have to stick by him if you, you know, took this approach and, and you, you, you know, basically, as we talked about, you, you didn't run off, but you certainly sent the strong message to a couple other guys that you will not get a chance to compete for this job, so you might as well find another opportunity. And Brady White, like Barnett, and so we're we're in on Manny Wilkins. I mean, there is there's no uh, there's no way I see anybody else taking a meaningful snap unless he gets injured. Um, I just would be surprised. Now, if obviously, if he gets injured, all bets are off. You have to, but uh, um, I think you know we could be three and eight going to Tucson at the end of the year, and he's still going to be the starter and play the full game. Um, I, I'd be surprised if otherwise. I'm not saying don't start him, but what I'm saying is if we're if we are you know sort of cashing in our chips on this season, which I, yeah. I don't know if you feel like we are. I feel like that's what we're doing. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I hadn't really thought of it that way, uh, you know. But but maybe uh, to an extent, sure. If that is what we're doing, then DSC should play more. Uh, you know, quite honestly, Harry should play less. Yeah which you can't do because then what do you, you know, that's always the danger for college coaches. And it's one of those things that we as fans think, but coaches can't really think that way as much because you start taking, I mean, you start reducing the playing time of a guy who's going to potentially be a first round pick and every other coach will use that against you in recruiting until the cows come home. And they should, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you go into that kid's living room and you say, man, if you're really good and you're going to get ready to go to the NFL, but the season's going sideways. They're going to put you on the bench, and and you know, be like, "Wow, I don't want to go there." You're right. They did well, that to him. And I'm not saying bench him. I'm saying instead of him playing eighty of ninety snaps, he should play yeah. seventy of ninety snaps. 
and yeah. you should get 20 snaps for, you know, Hodges or whoever it's going to be. True, true. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we are at that point. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hard to say. Obviously, a coach is never going to come out and say that publicly. You know, Coke, you know Edwards or whoever is never going to say, well, we're getting ready for next year. Uh, I mean, we could be 0-7 and, and a coach isn't going to say that. Um, uh, you know, but in their mind, are they thinking that a little bit? Possibly. And there's there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Again, we're three and four. There is not much on the line. The best we could finish is eight and four. That's nothing special, really. I mean, it'd be better than nothing, but it's it's not the type of season that you remember for, you know, years to come. Um, and so I, I don't mind a little bit of looking to the future, but at the same time, you've got you know, I think you've got one game that feels like you pro- – I mean, and coaches don't feel this way, I realize, but one game feels like you, you're you not going to win, and that's the game at Oregon. The other games, you know, they're not we're, – we're not talking about facing, you know, Alabama and Clemson and, and Notre Dame and Michigan here. I mean, you know, they're yeah, USC's okay and Utah's been playing well. Uh, UCLA's been playing better. But, you know, those are games that, that could be winnable if you play just a little bit better than what you've done the last few weeks. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you, but, it, you know, that that's to me analogous to the argument of the team is four touchdowns away from being undefeated. Well, sure, sure. sure. You know. Yeah, and, and I'm not making that argument necessarily. I'm just saying, like, you're not that far away. And you're not playing a murderer's row of opponents down the stretch to where you're thinking, well, boy, even if we even if we continue to get better with this approach that we're doing, we're probably still going to lose, you know, three or four games like you're not that far away. And this is game. Quite honestly, we haven't you know, we haven't gotten into this particular game much. But if I believe that if you put this exact team and this exact coaching staff and all in the exact season that USC's had and you put them in UCLA uniforms, we'd be saying, we should go win this game. This is not that good of a team. Because it's USC, it feels like, I don't know. But this team really hasn't been that good. And and so, you know, like this is a game that feels like you, you're going to have to win. If you're going to get to that sixth number and get a bowl game, and you think maybe you beat UCLA and Arizona because those are the you know two teams, probably the worst opponents ahead, got to get one more. This is probably the most realistic of the other three. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's true. And, you know, obviously JT Daniels, their starting quarterback, was hurt. He's going to play, yeah. but looks like he is. Yeah. their backup is done. They're on their third right. string if he goes down. Right, um, right. They're, look, they're, I agree with you. There's a lot to like. Their offense has struggled. Their defense once, you know, Not great. once and, thought and to be pretty injuries. fearsome, you know, looks a lot yeah, yeah. I mean, probably their two best defensive players are out. I think one for the year, and one one is still injured. Uh, Cameron Smith and Gustin's out for the year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a game that feels like if you're going to, you know, as Herm Edwards said, I, I read, you know, Howard tweeted it. You know, we we you know we gotta we gotta be able to take that next step. Well, this is a game that's time to show you can take that next step. Yeah, I assume that. We'll run the ball, but now with Smith gone, you know, it's going to be – I don't even know who – I guess. I mean, it's going to be Floyd. the Eno Benjamin show, but yes. that's how it was last week too. I mean, I, I, I uh, 
one of the, you know, and I don't know if I said this the last time we talked, but one of the, you know, things I had to do was watch the running backs. Stanford was rotating their running backs all the time. And ASU was not. I mean, it was it was Benjamin over and over and over again. Um, and and you know Smith was in I think for two or three plays. Floyd I think got one snap at running back. That's it. So the approach and I and I read this in the Republic. And I think Lycan said it. He's not lying. The approach probably doesn't really change that much. I mean, Benjamin is clearly the workhorse back this year. This is this is not a timeshare backfield. He's the guy. And and so I, you know, unless he gets hurt, it doesn't really have that much of an impact. Well, and I guess my the counter to where I was going was I don't know that I would have felt any better if Benjamin got hurt and Smith was there. Like I don't no. know, I don't know how good Smith is. No, we there. don't. We don't. Yeah, I mean, we barely saw him, and 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 I mean, I guess it's never great when you hear about guys leaving the program. I, I trust me, I'm not. I'm not like saying ah, who cares. But at the same time, it first of all, it happens all the time anyway. I mean, you look at a healthy program and you're not much healthier than Clemson. And what did they have? They had the starting quarterback leave. Um, you know, so it, it's going to happen. It's happening everywhere with this four game rule. And it's certainly going to happen when you have coaching changes. And really, I'm surprised we haven't had more of it. I mean, if you had asked me, you know, in January, how many, you know, give me a number on, you know, how many scholarship guys before the next January will leave. I'd have probably guessed double digits and we're not that close. You know, I mean, I can only think of three or four, um, might be a couple others that I'm forgetting, uh, but you know, really not a ton of that. And that's actually surprising to me. Cause again, you look at Nebraska and they've had a ton of turnover. I mean, it just, it happens when you have a new staff come in. Yeah, well, and based on your January to January, don't forget that Harry will be on that list as well. Well, that's true, and I and I should I should you know guys leaving for another school transferring. I mean, if a guy's good enough to leave, for, you know, for the pros, by all means. I mean that you know that's that he should, and and there's no problem with that. Now, if I, you know, I suppose if you have two or three other guys like we did last year that leave early and they go undrafted or they get drafted in the sixth or seventh round. Those, those are the ones that hurt. You know, we've had three guys enter the draft early and I think two of them went on day three of the draft and the other went undrafted. You know, you, you'd like to have those guys still around, but you know, Hey, the two of them at least are on rosters. I think, uh, although Christian Sam, I think is on IR. That's Sam okay. Jones is playing. It counts. It counts. Yeah. You know, Wicker, I know, has bounced around. I think he might be on a practice squad at last I saw. Um, you know, so you'd, you'd like to have it back. But again, that's that's part of that, you know, shift change, too. You know, you got a guy who's like, well, do I want to play one more year for staff? I don't even know. Nah, I'm going to I'm going to take off. And I get it. You know, I, I, I get it. It makes sense. ASU is a six and a half point underdog this week for a day game in the Coliseum. Yeah. They are, for whatever the numbers are worth, they are outgaining USC by an average of 60 yards a game. And yeah. they are giving up six fewer yards a game. Uh, but USC is 4-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in conference, and we're 3-4 and four and 1-3 and three in conference. Yeah, yeah. My inclination is to pick USC. I'm going to go... The Trojans, twenty-four to seventeen. Okay, okay. Well, I, you know, 
this is a tough one for me because I really, I do believe that if this wasn't USC, we would be more confident. You know, I think if this was Cal or UCLA or, you know, your, your average for the mill pack 12 team, which they've been kind of that way this year, we would think you should go win this game. Um, that said, I picked ASU last week and I got burned on it. And, and I did, I believe, say before the Colorado game that until they went on the road, I can't be overly confident they're going to win on the road. And they're 0-3. And so I guess if I, you know, making a pick just with my, with my head here, I'd pick USC too. Not altogether too different on the score. I mean, I think this is the type of team we seem to be. We seem to play these lower scoring games this year. Which who would have guessed that? Um, I'll, I'll uh, let's see. I'll go twenty-eight, twenty-four. See, I'm just not sure we're going to score twenty points on the road. I'm not either. I mean, I, I was even going to say I'll give us our first uh, loss of more than twenty-one points this year because uh, you know twenty-one's been the magic number this year that we've not been able to clear in all of our losses and even one of our wins. Um, you know, so I'm being, it is, it is, it is. I mean, like I said, who would have guessed that here at the end of October, we'd be talking about, you know, well, we seem to play a lot of lower scoring games. I mean, that is, that is far from the way you would have expected this season to play out. Would have thought, you know, if we were three and four and, you know, we'd be talking about games that were 45 to 42. Yeah. Things that looked like the loss to Texas Tech. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or the win over Texas Tech two years ago, uh, you know. Which, boy, on that note, can you believe that you know, with how good Patrick Mahomes is playing, that we actually beat that team? That's stunning, isn't it? It's crazy. I mean, I could, you know. Now he didn't have near the talent around him at Texas Tech that he does with the Chiefs, and but wow, I mean, that's a guy who you know might be a an MVP candidate this year, and and that ASU team beat him. Who would not have guessed that? I mean, I think that may go down as Manny's high note, right? That he won a shootout yeah, certainly against could. Pat Mahomes. Certainly could, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, depending on how good Mahomes continues to be, and yeah, it could. I mean, the, the win over Washington, even though we didn't score a ton of points, is probably the signature win that he's got because that was a, you know, it was a top 10, maybe top 5 team in the country. I can't remember exactly where they were ranked. Um, you know, and then and then beating Arizona last year, obviously that's always significant. The way we came back in the second half, but yeah, I mean that's certainly one of his better wins in the time he's been here, without doubt. Well, it's funny that you bring that up about the not really scoring against Washington in the signature win. I said he won a shootout, but really, Kalen Balaj won a shootout. True, true, Pat yeah, Mahomes. exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean that was that was a crazy game, and obviously you don't expect to play a lot of games like that. Uh, and it's not a sustainable formula, and that was proven. You know, we, that was that was the year. I am remembering right. That was 2016 when we started 4-0 and then 5-1 and one and didn't, didn't win again after that. Uh, that is correct. Uh, you know, and two of those wins were Texas Tech and Cal, where I believe we gave up 40-plus in both wins and still won. And I remember even thinking, I don't know if you could sustain this level. And, and once the offensive injury set in, we could not sustain that level. I have just had an epiphany. Alex Smith and Buck Showalter fill a similar role as a guy who loses <laughs> his job when he's doing fine, 
guy. But the guy who replaces him does better. The next guy comes in, and, and yeah, well, it, it happened in San Francisco briefly, and it certainly happened in KC. So, yeah, whoever Washington drafts here in the, in the next couple of years be in great shape. Yeah, remind me to buy stock in whoever that guy is. Yeah, yeah, when Washington drafts, you know, Tua here in a couple drafts or something like that, he's going to be the heir apparent to Alex Smith. Yeah. Um, so neither of us are super confident in this. No, and, and you know, honestly, I'm, I'm probably not following through on my gut here because my gut tells me that, that we can win this game, um, but I'm, I'm gun-shy after last week. Because I had the same type of feeling, and we kind of just laid a dud there most of the game. And I mean, I remember texting you in the fourth quarter of that game and saying, "Somehow we're still in this game," because it really didn't feel like we belonged in it. But then we had a chance at the end. Um, you know, just just too much of that, too much inconsistency this year. Okay, the Colorado game, you know, good first half offensively, and then did nothing in the second half. Uh, the Stanford game, you know, a couple good drives, went through a lull put together something in the fourth quarter too little too late. You know, it's just kind of been that way this year, and that's a hard recipe to win on the road. Well, San Diego State, same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Had the lead early, you know, couldn't score, had, had a lull, lead, and then, uh, you know, scored yeah. a couple, and, and then from that fourth down on, did nothing until about midway through the fourth, and then finally got something going, but again, too late. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, it's been that way. I mean, even the Michigan State win. You know, too too much of a lull. Now, look, they got a great defense. We've seen that. They're one of the best defenses, you know, statistically in the country this year. But just too much of that against teams that aren't as good defensively. Yes, Michigan State, Washington, probably two of the upper echelon defenses. But Stanford's really not. Colorado's really not. And San Diego State really is. I mean, there's good teams. None of them are bad. But those are teams we should be more productive against on offense. And we're, we're not to this point. It's not good. It it's not no. good. No, I mean we'll see. You know, obviously there's there's holes on that defense. Uh, you know, Utah put up a ton of points on them. Um, Texas put up. You know, Texas dominated them in the second half. Washington State, even though they beat Washington State, you know, had a lot of success against them offensively. So uh, there are certainly things to be attacked and. We'll see if this is the week that maybe things click for this offense like we haven't seen you know, most of the year except for against two bad teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just not I'm just not confident that Chase no, is going to no. win. Um, but if, uh, you know, if you can steal this one, then all of a sudden you're looking at a November where if you go 2-2, two and two, you're, you're in a bowl game, and I think that's attainable. Um, so this is kind of a swing game. I mean, I, I preseason – I had us at four and four at the end of October. We need this win to get there. Yeah. Uh, I I hope it goes okay. I'm I'm a, I, I'm a lot concerned. Uh, I'm yeah. a lot concerned about yeah. the state of the program. Uh, I'm it, for me. I, I think that maybe I'm either the canary in the coal mine or I'm chicken little. But I am very. <laughs> I'm I'm leaning more toward the latter, honestly. I, I'm not. I'm not sharing your your alarm just yet. I mean, I you know, like I'm not. I'm not uh, singing their praises or anything. Like, oh boy, everything's great, and you know, you just get ready for that national title in two years. But uh, I'm not. I'm not in panic mode by any means. Uh, an update. 
Clay Helton said that JT Daniels will start against Arizona if he clears the concussion protocol tomorrow or Thursday. Okay. So he okay. has still not cleared the concussion protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, if it's Jack Sears, I, I feel differently. I, I feel like we have a, sh- a better shot with the backup. Better, although we said that about San Diego State. Yeah, I'm not saying good, and I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying that I'm changing my pick. No, I got you. I got you. Sure. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, you know, but but Daniels hasn't been he hasn't been great this year. I mean, you know, he's a true freshman, and you expect some bumps and. And he doesn't have the you know the great talent around him uh, that some USC teams have had. I mean, there's there's talent there, St. Brown kid, and and you know Pittman and Vaughn. They got good receivers, but just overall, there's not the talent that you'd expect. Some guys have not become what they're supposed to be, um, and so Daniels hasn't been great. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, this is not his coming out party. Yeah. I guess my view is there there has to be a reason he won the job. Oh sure, sure, uh, without a doubt. I mean, you'd think that you'd think that there is. Um, now USC fans might disagree because um, you know, of course, they're they're down on Clay Helton, and of course, they remember two years ago when Max Brown won the job over Sam Darnold, and they still, I know, you know, use that against him, even though he did eventually go to Darnold. So who knows? Maybe Helton's evaluation isn't the best. Yeah. Well. I, I viewed that as him erring on the side of the veteran. I did too. And I, did and too. I would treat this as he learned from it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you completely. You know, uh, I mean, it, it is the opposite approach. Obviously, going to the true freshman is the opposite approach. I, I think some USC fans just can't be pleased, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's uh, USC is starting to feel a bit like Nebraska. Or you've got a you've got a fan base that just feels like they are owed, you know, being a national title contender every year, and that's not going to happen. Um, you know, you can have good success, and they've had it. I mean, the last two years they've won ten plus games and won a Rose Bowl, won a Pac-12 title, but apparently that's not enough to satisfy them. Those are the kind of problems I wish we had. Agreed, agreed. I mean, I, I get kind of I kind of fed up with the entitlement of certain fan bases like I, I get that you want to be great and I'm not I'm not the biggest Clay Helton fan I didn't think that he was a great hire when they named him the permanent coach but man what well, you can't ask for a whole lot more than what he's done his first two years as the full-time coach I suppose he could have won two national championships and you'd be happier but you know they've been really good and and I just think you know it's the same at Auburn you know, the, the consternation about Gus Malzahn. I don't think Gus Malzahn is the greatest coach around. But last year, they were in the SEC championship game and, you know, beat Alabama. Like, I mean, what, you know, what do you want? You want to win every single game? That's not going to happen. I agree. But let's flip over from the team that I am terrified of to the team that I am proudest of. <laughs> and... It's ASU basketball under Bobby effing Hurley. That's right. Now, we didn't really talk about it, but the Pac-12 preseason media poll came out. Yeah. And we were Rodney Dangerfield. There was no respect. We are picked to finish sixth. (laughs) We didn't get a single first place vote. You know, we're picked behind. Oregon's picked to win 16 of the – 25 first place votes. UCLA second with six. Washington had two. 
and Arizona had one. USC also picked ahead of ASU in the consensus rankings, followed by Colorado, Utah, Stanford, Oregon State, Cal, and Washington State. But why are we not in the top four or the top three? Well, I think a big part of it is, is, uh, one, we're not a program that has proven, you know, a year-in, year-out success, um, you know, and and the success we had last year, A, was very front-loaded. And so people, I think, you know, there's a general thought of, well, they were a fraud. In some ways we were, uh, at least it being that good. And we lost, you know, the three top players. And so easy, quick study as well. Geez, they barely made the tournament and they lost their three, you know, starting senior guards. They're not going to be any good. I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot here, and I, I think, you know, we can be a surprise team. But I can see why on the outside people are not super high. I, I guess I agree. You know, my my view is for the first time since the James Harden era, I believe that we will regularly have the most talented player on the court in games. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. in conference. Maybe not necessarily in the non-conference. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, some of those games, especially the Kansas game, we I I doubt yeah. we'll have that in, be the case. In the um, Kansas game, I'd be surprised if we have the fourth highest regarded <laughs> player on the court. Right, but, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they're preseason number 1 for a reason. Uh, you know, but uh but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, now I will say this. You talk, you know, pick 6 and you say, well, you know, that's a, the, you know, no one's given us any credit. When's the last time we were picked sixth or better? Been a while, right? I think it may have been uh, either the Glasser team or Carson's yeah. second season. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I should adjust that because, you know, going back, I, when's the last time we were picked in the top half of the conference? So sixth or better or fifth or better when we were in the Pac-10 era. I mean, we, we might be looking at, the James Harden second year uh, when, when we were a top 25 team all year long. I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. You know, you forget the preseason media poll as soon as the season begins. But I know a few of those years, we were probably picked to finish last or second to last, uh, and accurately so on a couple of those occasions. Um, so six doesn't sound great, but it's given us a – I mean, how many ASU teams could have lost their top three – scores their top three players based on you know usage uh and still be picked to finish top half of the conference we that's not something we've had very often it'd be none but yeah but but i think that speaks to the job at least that we acknowledge about the recruiting job hurley's done now yeah that that does segue us into the disappointing but you cautioned two (laughs) years ago not shocking Uh, announcement from Kyrie Walker this week that he was going to uh, decommit as a junior in high school. He committed as a freshman two years ago from ASU, reopening his recruitment, immediately saying Duke, Kentucky, and UNC, and Kansas are all involved, (laughs) Arizona's involved. And while, uh, while ASU is technically still under consideration, uh, we're not getting it. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, generally when a guy 
Dean commits, he does not end up coming back to the school that he committed to. Now there are exceptions, you know. Yeah, Arizona's uh, got one. Uh, their point, their point guard coming in this year was part of the uh, wave of decommitments, and he came back. That's true. The Will- Williams or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just usually it doesn't happen. It, it does at times. I think uh, didn't Jared Bayless do it? Um, if mm-hmm. I recall, he committed to Arizona. He decommitted. Greg Hansen ripped him. Then he ended up coming back to Arizona, and Greg Hansen loved him again until he left after his freshman year, and then he turned into a terrible teammate who got in a fight with Zane Johnson. That's an aside, but uh, you know it, it does happen, and so maybe this kid will. Um, but I've got it all surprised. Um, I mean, these these kids committing so early is insane to me. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I've always gone back to my own memories of what it was like to be 14, 15 years old, and I, you know, probably felt different about a lot of things when I was sixteen or seventeen. That's what growing up is about, and I, I just think you know getting excited about a 15 year old kid's commitment these i mean they they you know change their mind all the time so it doesn't shock me at all well i was excited because i haven't i'm not jaded the way you are uh so i was excited and, and now when it comes to recruiting i am jaded yeah i guess you're that's a fair fair assessment uh it should be noted that there's an article you can go back and find it about having a four-star better recruit in each of right. the next four classes, uh, with right. Dort, Jalen House, yeah. uh, and then Walker, Walker and, and, and I can't remember. It's the kid, kid from Milwaukee. Uh, That's right. That's right. And, yeah. and yeah. both of the later two have since decommitted. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it just you just expect it, and I and I would assume that Bobby Hurley and staff know that. I mean, I I would certainly hope that. Hurley's a sharp enough guy to, you know, not have been thinking, well, we got this kid in the bag. That just doesn't happen. Um, kids continue to get recruited and they, and their profile rises or falls. And, you know, I read his dad's comments, you know, he just wants to feel what it's like to be recruited. Well, I'm sure he does. You know, Hey, go around and get wine and dined and, you know, get to see all the, all the places that you want. And, you know, free meals and, you know, whatever they can legally provide you or illegally provide you as, as we're, you know, hearing, um, yeah, I'd want to get recruited too. Uh, so, uh, I'm not surprised at all. And, you know, we just got to pick ourselves up and, you know, either stay in on him if we want or go get some other guys, you know, the world doesn't stop for him. ASU did pick up another, uh, commitment from Alonzo Verge, a JUCO uh, one of the top-rated JUCO guards. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's not th- – this class at this stage is not as exciting no, a- as Dort and Valtanen and Cherry, although Cherry did not commit this early. True, he did not. I yeah. believe at this yeah. time Cherry may have been committed to USC. To USA, yeah. Yeah, he was until the – until the whole, you know, scandal broke right before the season started, which is right about a year ago now, uh, which USC was embroiled in, and that, that kind of led him to back off of that and reopen things. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, but as we've talked about, this really should not be a class where you got to do a whole lot of heavy lifting numbers-wise because we really don't have too many guys gone. And you never know, obviously, you know. I mean, Cheatham, Cheatham's a senior. Right. And he could get a sixth year. Apparently, reading that story, I mean, he might he might try to get a sixth year for injury. Now that you never know with things like that, 
Um, but he could be back, and then and then Lake, right, is a senior, I think. Yeah, Juan Lake. The that it. I think that's I true of the scholarship guys. Um, yeah, yeah. Now again, do you really expect the other ten or eleven to be back? Probably not. I mean, as we talked about with football, guys leave, and as you know, maybe maybe Dorch or Cherry is good enough to think about the draft. Who knows? Um, you know, it's possible. So there's going to be more fluctuation, but you probably should not be having to get, you know, five or six guys in this class. Uh, I would not be surprised to hear Scheibel leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Just because it, it seems like that Valtanen be is, is basically between, yeah, between Valtanen, Lawrence, Nicky yeah. Mitchell. I'm just not sure where the minutes for Scheibel no, are, agreed. and and, and I don't think he will get the token start that he got. I don't either. You no, know. I mean this is a deeper team with size than it was last year. Last year we we you know we were deeper at the guard spot um, and didn't have a ton of size beyond Romello White. You know, as as I mean, and he was not proven at all. He had never played before. Lake, we had no idea what we were getting. Um, this team has more. Not maybe traditional bigs, but guys who can play those spots. Well, and so uh, yeah, I, I don't expect him to see much time. I've pulled up the roster. Here are guys on the team who are six seven or taller. Yeah, which this list would have been much shorter last year. It would have just yes. been Lake and White. Yeah, pretty much. I think so. Here, here's the list of guys who I expect could play minutes. And, and a lot of guys who you expect to be in the rotation. Cheatham, 6'8". Cherry, 6'8". Yeah. Lake, 6'10". Lawrence, 6'7". Mitchell, 6'7". Plavsic, 7 feet. Right. Scheibel, 6'9". Valtman, 6'7". White, 6'8". White. That's, yeah. that's a yeah. lot of wing athleticism and height. It is. It is, yeah, yeah. It should have a lot of versatility to it, you would expect as well. I mean... I'm excited to see what, what Cheatham can do. I mean, I, I like what I hear about his defensive potential, um, you know, ability to, to guard, you know, any position on the court, basically. Uh, you know, and then, and then we know what Remy Martin is defensively. Well, and the stuff I they're think, saying you know, about Dort, the, Dort that Dort, exactly, you yeah, know, yeah, Dort and Martin you know, going at each other, if you can have those yeah. two guys in the backcourt and Cheatham, you right, know, I think about right. – I, I don't know that because Martin – is six feet tall. I don't think that right. his game lends itself to this, but I remember back to the uh, UCLA teams that would mm-hmm. play Kevon Looney at the top of the point in zone, yeah, and just yeah. say, "Fine, we don't think you can. We don't think you can start your offense from here." Right, right, yeah, you know? yeah. No, I agree. And then, and then the potential shot blocker of Lake. Mm-hmm. I know Lake's probably not going to play thirty minutes a game, but we saw he's a good shot blocker. Mm-hmm. And and really came into his own over the course of the year, and so yeah, this this really has the potential. I, I mean, I hate to use the term, but it has the potential to be an elite defensive team. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be disappointed if it's not a, a very good defensive team. Let's say that. I mean, I, I I'm not saying we're gonna be holding teams to 40 points because um, we're gonna play up and down, and you know that's gonna lend itself to more possessions and more shots. Um, but I really think, yeah, this this should be a really good defensive group with the size that we've got. I mean, don't you know? You're not forgetting about Rob Edwards. He's yeah, you know he's, everybody talks Edwards about him is, on offense. Edwards is six four. Dort six a big enough guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, outside of Remy Martin, there's nobody on this team that's undersized. 
Oh, there's there's no one who I would expect to be in the rotation under six four besides Martin. Right, right. Um, so so there's plenty of potential there for matchups and and you know flexibility and I mean it, it's it's the type of team you know I love this type of team and I think this this group can do it of of playing that kind of positionless basketball and and just you know playing five guys out there and yeah you're gonna have a point guard. But outside of that, you're just you're just playing four guys that can go anywhere. They can go outside, inside. They can play defense inside, outside. That's exactly the, the dream type of team I want to have, and this this might be the group to do it. It really feels like you'll have either Martin or Edwards, then three wings, and then either Lake or White. Yeah, and yeah, and and you can do a lot with that. I mean, if Hurley wanted to, which I'm not, I have no idea. But let's let's pretend I got to be the coach for a uh-huh. second. You could you could trot out a lineup that's Martin, Dort, Cheatham, Lake, and Mitchell, and say yeah. we're we're pressing. And that's a really good defensive you know, lineup. Yeah. We're yeah. we're gonna press and go ahead. Try to outrun us. Yes. See what see yes. if you can see if your guards can push the ball against Dort and yeah. Martin. Martin yeah. who draws all kinds of offensive fouls on forearm shivers. Right, you know, right. or you could go, you know, super big and have you know Dort be your point guard, um, and you know either Edwards or maybe even you know some combination of Lawrence Cherry Cheatham, um, Cheatham, you know, as your wings, and then either White or Lake or both. I mean, you could you could potentially go with a lineup that doesn't have anybody under six seven. Yeah, I mean, or Dort is what six seven, six six. Dort's listed at six four, but if you go six four, okay. But if you okay. go, if you go, Cherry, Cheatham, Lake, Mitchell, who pushed the ball up some last yeah. year, yeah, and White. Dort as your as your point guard. Yeah. yeah, well, that's true. You could go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of flexibility, and I'm 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 really excited to see how the rotations come together. And there's going to be some experimenting in, in, you know, November and there should be, that's the time to do it. Um, you know, and just working with different lineups, do you want to go, you know, can you go small? Can you go big? Can you play two bigs at once? Can, you know, who are your wings? Uh, you know, I mean, the, the million dollar question I think for this team is it's outside shooting. There's nobody on the roster that we know is a proven outside shooter. Rob Edwards is supposed to be good, but we haven't really seen him too much. Um, and outside Carey's of that, a freshman, that's a we mark. don't, you know, right, right, you know. So, so the last year's team became hugely reliant on the three. This year's team very likely going to have a totally different feel to it. But you still need to be able to keep teams honest. That's such a big part of the game now, um, you know. So that's that's going to be the question. But is, that's where you know, are, that's where a six foot seven Elias Valtonen could come true. in. Yeah, he's true. supposed to be yeah. a shooter. Yeah, you're right. You know, so there's there's options there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys are unknowns. Even Rob Edwards is an unknown. Yes, he played at Cleveland State, and, you know, but we haven't seen him at this level. He hasn't played, a, a you know, a game in over a year. Um, so, you know, maybe some of these guys, maybe Remy Martin has improved his jump shot. He showed some potential. But it's it, an it awkward-looking stroke. I don't know it if is. it's going to look it the is. same this year. But, right. you know, right. he, had, you know, he scored so. 21 against Kansas. He did. He did. And he could make the three. It just wasn't consistent. And and maybe the offseason has, you know, the work hopefully in the offseason has made it more consistent. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest question mark about this team. And if that comes up, you know, 
as positive or, or even something we can do somewhat successfully, then, you know, I don't want to say final four is in range. I don't think that, but certainly a, a season where I think we could be in the top 25 and, and make the tournament hopefully comfortably. I think that's possible. Here's the other thing, looking at the size of these guys. It's not just that they're tall. It's that they're not rails, you know, because, right, exactly. you know, there's not yeah. the Craig Austins or, you know, nope. the, these nope. guys there's are like a, a more a, a more well-built Ruslan Pativ as yes. far as size. Yes. I mean, Cheatham is 220. Cherry's 210. Dort at 6'4 is 215. Edwards is yeah. 200 pounds. You yeah. Know, there late. should be some athleticism with this size. Yeah. I, I think is, you know, and, and that's that's huge because, yeah, you can have size. We've had size. We've had seven footers and they're stiffs, you know, but, but this feels like, you know, size that you can use that can, you know, run the floor and guard outside and, you know, handle the ball and, you know, do the things that you're going to need rather than just stand in the middle and, you know, grab an offensive rebound here and there. There's a lot to get excited about. I'll yeah, say that. absolutely. <laughs> um, absolutely. I'm, 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 you know, very excited. I mean, we're two weeks from tonight is the opener. Now that I think about it, uh, yeah, and and it gets it gets serious pretty quickly for us. I mean, the first the first game is Fullerton, which is a good team, made the tournament last year, and then uh, you know by the second you know third weekend into the season is when we're going to Vegas. I think is it Vegas for the for the Thanksgiving tournament? Well, we play uh, we play Mississippi State on November nineteenth, and they are preseason yeah. number eighteen in the country. We also yeah. have. On our preseason schedule, a date with Nevada, who's number Nevada, seven. Preseason top ten. And yeah. Kansas, yeah. the preseason course, number one. Number one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so I mean there will be some experimenting, but I think you'll also this you know, this is not gonna be a twelve game preseason where we're able to just coast through and you know, by the time we're in the stands for that Kansas game, we should have an identity and we should have rotations and we should have things like that established and and then be ready for conference play, and, and maybe this season goes the opposite of last year's. That would be okay with me. Where maybe there's some bumps in the road early, there's some losses, and you know we, we come in, you know, seven and five, eight and four, but we're going to conference play, battle tested, and ready to, you know, to win 13, 14, 15 games. There. Here is here is something that I think is a mark of the improvement of ASU basketball. Right now, today, they already know. That the Mississippi State game, Nevada game, Georgia game, Vanderbilt game, and Kansas game are all broadcast on the ESPN family of networks. Yes, yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, how how many uh, since the start of the Pac-12 network? Um, what four four or five six years ago, whenever that was? How many you know non-conference games has it just been buried on there? Where you know eleven of our twelve non-conference games were buried on Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, I it's, remember it's, we had we had the one where we under Herb where we went to Madison Square Garden and just right. you know got beat by Duke, got demolished. Yeah, and yeah. and that yeah. was that's the one game I remember. Yeah, as like yeah. that definitely was a TV game. Yes, you know? yes, yeah. I mean, we we played some. You know, we were we did we played in that tournament. Uh, I think it was the fall of '09 when we played in that tournament in Madison square garden, because um, the day we played the second game was the day that uh, Tiger Woods got in the car crash outside of his house. I re- always remember here seeing that on the bottom 
during that game. Um, we played Duke and got blown out that whoever we played in the second game, I can't even remember who it was. Um, you know, so we had some, but yeah, it's, it's notable to have, you know, five games like that and, and notable that at least one of them is at home. I mean, that Kansas game is a big time deal for this program. Uh, it's one we've talked about for years and years and years, as long as, you know, we can remember following this team, getting a game like that at home. And it's finally a reality. Yeah. I mean, we, you and I have talked about it and we've, we've played the game of, well, who's reasonable. Who, right, who could right. we get? And Kansas wasn't reasonable. I, I no. always thought Xavier, when we played Xavier, that was right. that was a good, reasonable team. Upper echelon program, you know? yeah. St. Yeah. Mary's, that was a reasonable uh-huh. aspiration. Uh-huh. I, I thought in my wildest dreams, a home-and-home home with an Indiana, somebody yeah. who used to be a power. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. No, I agree. I mean, to... To get a program of Kansas's caliber, which is as good a program as there is in the country, I mean, I think the the short list of powerhouse programs is Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina. That is, to me, the you know, I guess Villanova's on there. You have to give them that credit for winning two titles, but still, they don't carry the weight that those four other four programs do. They don't have the history and the and the meaning that those four programs have. To get one of them to come in here is is big. And, and, uh, we, I mean, yes, Adidas plays a part, but we also have Bobby Hurley to thank for that. Bobby Hurley put this program a little bit more on the map than it had been. Well, and, and he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to, to do this either. Yes. To, right. You know, he, that was, you know, the mark of his tenure here really yeah. has been a- anybody, anywhere, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of, kind of reminiscent of fresno state football yeah, back right, in the late 90s right. of pat hill yeah yeah, yeah. No, i we don't care fine you that yeah. you don't no, you right. want us to go you're play right. in the vegas tournament against xavier fine we'll do that right, oh you want us right. to go play at the pond in anaheim okay yeah it's a it's an arrogance that he has but it works i mean and and you know we've discussed this many times i said this to you probably you know back when we were in college and you you've used it with me too you know, before you can be something, you have to pretend to be something. And I think he came in and basically decided, okay, we're going to pretend to be big time. We may not be yet, but we're going to make sure we pretend that we are so that we can be eventually. Well, and the other thing that it did is it set us up for a year like this where our non-conference schedule has three ranked opponents, two at right. neutral sites and one at home. And I, as an ASU fan, I'm like, okay, this is yeah, sure. this is reasonable. Sure. We're not... Not we're not overextending ourselves. We're not no, above no. our heads. This, yes, we're a team that should play these teams and, and hold I our agree. own. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a schedule that has me running scared, thinking you know, oh boy, we're gonna get bludgeoned. Um, you know, are we gonna lose some games? Almost certainly. Yeah, last year was was crazy that we went twelve and zero during that run. I don't think either of us in our wildest dreams thought that was possible. I think playing um, out out of their minds, and, on, yeah. uh, you know, offensively. Exactly. Uh, you I mean, know. The Xavier win um, and then the Kansas win were both like, wow. You know, you, you, you just don't expect either one of those. Uh, those were two number one seeds in the tournament. And, and we beat, you know, we beat one of them on a neutral court, one of them on their home court. Um, I don't expect that to happen again. It's a younger team um, that will take some time to gel. Uh, but I do think, you know, I think we can keep our head above water. And then hopefully, like I said, have this season go the opposite route where at the end of the year, you're playing your best rather than thinking, boy, what happened to that team from December? Well, and the other thing, just to finish up 
the point about scheduling the way we've scheduled and things is the first year we did it, it you know, deer in the headlights. We, we, sure. we are in awe of the fact that we're here now. Right. You know, I, you've got half of this roster, not, not the three yeah. guards, but half of the roster can say, Oh, well we went into Kansas and yeah. won. Like we, right. we right. won that Las Vegas tournament. You know, right, exactly. We, exactly. we can yeah. beat Mississippi state. Who who yeah, are they? You've got some, you know, you've got some battle tested guys. Even though it's it, you know not any any you know long term guys like you had with Holder and Justice. But yeah, you're right. You've got some guys who played big roles in that game last year. Romello White, Remy Martin. Um, you know, we don't we don't win that game at Kansas without them. Um, they both kind of tailed as the year went along, as as most freshmen do. Uh, you know, they hit the wall a little bit. White especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some valuable experience from that game that that you can go forward with. Yeah, and you know, for for the guys who weren't there, that's okay because now we right. have you know, it's as opposed to the first time we did it where everyone had the big eyes. Now, right now, half the team's like, okay, yeah, this is what we do in the non conference. We yeah, we play the best of the best, and we I expect agree. to be competitive. You, you just- you set that as your bar that, you know, this is what we're going to do. And again, I think that's a, that's an attitude that stems from the coach who has that chip on his shoulder, has that, you know, uh, I'm going to prove something to the world. He's been that way since he was a player at Duke. Um, probably before that, we just didn't see it, you know, on the, on the national radar until then, but that's always been how he is, I think. And, and so he's, you know, he's carrying himself that way and he's building a program that way that, you know, we're not, we're not running scared of anybody. We're going to go in, we're going to play anybody, and we're going to beat anybody. Um, we're not going to beat them all, but we're going to be prepared to beat them all. Uh, you know, and, and I, yeah, I mean, I love the I love the feel that this is not being treated like, as you said, it's not being treated like, oh, my God, we got this brutal schedule. It's like, yep, that's just what it is, and, you know, we keep marching on. Yeah, and that, the you know, we belong here. There's an attitude yeah. that says, we belong in this conversation. Yeah. We belong at this tier, and we'll show you. We did it last Agreed. year. We can do Agreed. it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited, man. I, I got I got very high hopes for what this year is going to bring. Um, I, I think uh, you know. Again, I, I don't I don't expect to be in the final four. I'm not saying that, but I think uh, a lot of things are on the table. Do I think we can win the Pac-12? I do. I really do. Uh, not saying we will. But I think it's it's doable. This is not a vintage Pac-12. Oregon's the preseason favorite, and they got a lot of unknowns. Uh, you know, so there's there's nobody in this conference that feels like a heavyweight that just cannot be toppled. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, we will come back. We'll talk about USC. Maybe we'll run through the non-conference schedule and give some basketball predictions. Yes. Yes. Uh, but until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. He'll be 33 next time you hear from us. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And it's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.